Welcome to Foxtails Folklore, where we explore new stories and tell old tales. We are building a community through the ancient art of storytelling. We share our stories, and we hope to inspire you to stand up, sing out, to find your voice. Our stories shape our world. Your story can change the world. Join the chorus and fall in love with the world again and all of its possibilities. In this episode, we are going to answer the question I get asked more than any other. So how did you get your name, Fox? If you go way back in time, many cultures tell stories about the beginning of the world. How did the world begin? One of my friends, Simon Ortiz, he says, what story you tell about the beginning says more about yourself than the beginning. Were you there at the beginning of time? The beginning of the world? Here's a story from the Maudu, the Nisanan, the tribal people of Northern California. The fox sings the world. In the beginning, when the world was new, all was darkness. And into this darkness there came a silver fox. And she was lonely. As she moved through this thick fog, through this darkness, she was so alone. Have you ever felt that lonely? Like you were the only one in the world? She also thought, maybe if I start singing, I won't feel so lonely. And so she sang the song that came to her. Hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hey, hendo, hey, hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hey, hendo, hey. And as she began singing, off in the distance, she heard what at first she thought was an echo. But no, she realized Someone else was singing. Listen, then repeat. Can you be that echo? Hendo, hi, hi, hi. Hendo, hi, hi, hi. Hendo, hey. Hendo, hey. Hey! Who is that? said the silver fox. I'm over here, said the other voice. Who are you? said the silver fox. Oh, I am your cousin, Coyote. Where are you? Over here. And so they called out back and forth until their voices grew louder and they found each other. And Silver Fox said, Coyote, I am so glad to see you. It is good to walk along with a friend. And maybe if we sing together, we will not be so alone. Can you sing it with me this time? Hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hey, hendo, hey. And then Silver Fox said, hey, Coyote, why don't we create a world? Oh, I've never done that before, said Coyote. How do you make a world? I don't know, said Silver Fox. I've never made a world either, but I think that maybe if we sing, if we sing together, we can sing the world into being. That's a good idea, said Coyote. 
And so the two of them began to sing together. Can you sing it with me? Hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hey, hendo, hey. And as they sang, a small clump of grass began to appear below them. A little bit of earth and mud with grass growing up from it. It was working, so they continued to sing. Hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hi, 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 hendo, hey, hendo, hey. They sang the songs of mountains, the songs of rivers. They sang the songs of all the creatures. And oh hi, and oh hi, and oh hey, and oh hey, and oh hi, and oh hi, and oh hey, and oh hey. And as they sang, the world came into being. And some people believe, I among them, maybe you too, that the world is made of song. And as we move through the world, shh, if we take the time to listen, the world is still singing. And when we tune our voices to join that chorus, we too, are part of the ongoing story of creation. Will you sing it with me? Hendo, hi, hi, hi. Will you sing it with me? Hendo, hi, hi, hi. Hendo, hi, hi, hi. Hendo, hey, hendo, hey. Hendo, hi, hi, hi. Hendo, hi, hi, hi. Hendo, hey, hendo, hey. Hendo, This next story is from a completely different branch of my family, though it is intriguing to me how stories travel around the world. I am Tzalegi on my father's side. On my father's side, I am also mostly Irish and Scottish. And you might know that Dublin was a Viking town. On my mother's side of the family, I am mostly German, but from the north coast of Germany, where the Vikings invaded regularly. So on both sides of my family, thanks to the genetics, I can show that I am of Scandinavian origin. Peter Christian Abjornsson collected this story about 180 years ago from Norway, back about the time that Norway divided from Sweden and, and Finland branched off and all of those nations used to be one nation. I have roots in that Scandinavian world. But I also found that Joe Bruschak, a friend of mine who is Abenaki, he collected a very similar story from the Iroquois. Long ago, in the far north, in Lapland, the people would herd caribou or reindeer. And they would actually milk the reindeer the same way and they would actually milk the reindeer the way some people still milk cows. And they would use them to pull their sleds the way some people use horses. And they loved the fish, especially the salmon who came upriver from the North Sea. Well, there was a young man who was fishing. He was actually fishing on a frozen pond. He had 
chopped a hole in the ice and he had caught a great number of salmon. And he put them on his sled and he was riding home pulled by a reindeer. Maybe that's where Santa got the idea. And as he was riding along, he was bragging about himself. Look at all these fish that I caught. I am the best fisherman in the village. And it just made him a little bolder, maybe a little more braggadocio. He said, I'm also the most handsome man in the village. And that young woman, I've got an eye on. Ooh, she's got an eye on me. And look at all of these fish. She will see me and she'll say, not only is he the most handsome man, but he's a great fisherman and a great provider too. He was making such a ruckus as he headed down the trail. He didn't notice that a fox was following him. The fox was listening to this man's talk, smelled the fresh salmon and saw them in the back of the sled. And so he ran on up ahead and he pretended to be dead. Well, this man bragging about himself, he saw what appeared to be a dead fox in the middle of the trail. And he thought, oh, I will bring home this fox fur. I will skin it up and, and I will give it as a gift to my one true love. <laughs> and then she will love me. <laughs> Is that how you earn love? Well, he stopped his sled and, and sure enough, he picked up the fox and it drooped like it was dead. But it was still warm. It must be freshly dead. And he tossed it over his shoulder onto the sled. And as he rode along, that fox, listening to the braggadocio, began to quietly drop salmon off the back of the sled. And when all the salmon were gone, he himself slipped off and just headed on down the trail, gathering salmon after salmon after salmon after salmon. And then he headed home. Now what became of that man, the braggadocio, I do not know. But he showed up empty-handed. He had no salmon and no fox fur to give as a gift to earn her love. If that's how you do that, I'm still not sure. But as the fox was heading home with all these salmon, he ran into his good friend, the bear. Now, maybe you do not know, but back in those days, bears used to have big bushy tails, almost as bushy as this fox's tail. And bear saw all those salmon, and maybe you do know, bear loved to eat salmon. Bear thought, hmm, I would love to eat some of those salmon. Fox, fox, where did you catch all those salmon? How did you catch all of those salmon? Will you show me how? Will you teach me to be a great fisherman as you are? Fox, who has always been clever, came up with an idea. He said, oh yeah, it's very easy to catch so many fish. First, you chop a hole in the ice. And then you put your tail down in the ice. Now you might feel little fish tugging on it. Don't pull up your tail. You might feel it tingling as if it's cold. Do not pull up your tail. Wait until it's very hard to pull up. And then you have lots of salmon. And who knows? If you're lucky, maybe you'll catch as many salmon as I have. Bear was hungry. Maybe more hungry than he was clever. But Fox led him down to the shore of the frozen lake and showed him the hole where he said those salmon were caught. And he was telling the truth, though he was not the one who caught them. Bear, he went out onto the middle of that lake and he sat down with his big bushy tail in the frozen water. <laughs> and just as Fox said, it began to tingle a little, like little minnows were nibbling. Oh, I'm not going to pull up my tail yet. And he continued to set. And after a while, he could feel it really cold and tingly, just like Fox said. Oh, I'm not going to pull up my tail yet. I'm going to wait until I have more salmon than Fox. And he sat there waiting.
and maybe you've already imagined what's about to happen. That hole froze. His tail froze down into that hole. And when Bear tried to pull, uh, it was hard. Uh, just like Fox said. And he pulled as hard as he could and pop, off came his tail. And still to this day, have you seen Mighty Bear? He has the shortest, stubbiest little tail. And still to this day, Bear is angry at Fox because Fox still has the most bushy and beautiful tail of any creature in the forest. And that is how that story goes. Ho! Oh. <laughs> so look for the Iroquois version in your library, a book by Joe Bruchak, Iroquois Stories. Or you could look for the Norwegian version by Peter Christian Abjornsen, who, like the Grimm's brothers, collected the folk tales and fairy tales of Northern Europe. But here's a story that I really wanted to tell. How did you get your name, Fox? Well, I've always loved foxes. And it's always been a part of our culture. The fox is the wisdom keeper. Fox is the wise elder. Let me share with you a poem that I wrote from my book, Song of the Red Fox. This is a poem that I wrote that celebrates the fox in world folk tales. How many folk tales do you see in this very short poem? Song of the Red Fox. I am the hunter of mice, yelping on a cold winter night. I am the one who snatched the cheese from the singing crow's beak. I am the eater of grapes, because I knew they were sweet, and I did not give up. I love hens, and a few of you are going to grease my chin before I leave this town-o, town-o. And I was not fooled by the lion complaining, feigning illness to devour my brethren. You know me as sly, cunning, a trickster. But did you also know I sang the world into being? I am friend to Coyote and can still call his life back into his limp body after yet another fatal mistake. I am Renard, I am Zorro, I am Kitsunami, I am the Red Fox. Wise men respect my counsel. You too can learn from my kin. I don't know if I've answered that question yet. So where did I get the name Fox? There are several more stories that we don't have time for today that are found in my book, Fox Tales. But here's my favorite. When I was a kid growing up in Toledo, Ohio, my home was a zoo. We actually had a pet squirrel who, like the Tasmanian devil, would zoom all around the house. We had up to 10 or 12 dogs at any given time because my father would breed and train coon hounds. Tennessee Bell was the most award-winning hound dog in Northwestern Ohio. We had a pet raccoon for a while. My father also raised um, wild quail, Bob White, and he would release them into the wild to replenish their population. One year for Christmas, my brother and I brought my father uh, a couple of goldfish in a little bowl. You know, we were kids. And my father started breeding them. And eventually, he had about 20, 
fish tanks and he was breeding exotic fish to sell to the fish store. Do you believe me yet? My house was a zoo, but my favorite pet was a pet red fox. I've heard the story so many times that it feels like I was there, though I wasn't. I was asleep. So my father and his cousins, they loved to go coon hunting. And one night when they were out, <sighs> Tennessee Belle, that hound with the award-winning nose, she found a mother fox, a vixen, that had been hit by a car by the side of the road. And we knew it was a mother fox because it was a lactating vixen. It had milk, which meant there were babies somewhere that were orphans. So they put all the other hounds on leashes, and, and including Tennessee Bell, and they let Tennessee Bell lead the pack. And they followed the scent of that fox back to the den. They found an old hollow log with three baby kits, baby foxes, and they brought them home. It was probably two, three, four o'clock in the morning. I don't know. I was just a little boy when my mom woke us all up because my dad had something special he wanted to share with us. My mom, who had had five babies of her own, still had plenty of baby bottles and she had already warmed up the milk. As my father revealed to us the most beautiful, tiny little red fox, my mom handed it to me and handed me the red bottle and maybe you know a lot of babies are born without open eyes. This was such a newborn. When I put the bobble in its mouth, this was such a newborn. When I put the bottle in its mouth, it opened its eyes for the first time. And the first thing it saw was me, like I was its mother. Now my brothers and I, we argued for days, for weeks, for months, well, at least for a few minutes. What were we going to name this fox? We came up with a hundred creative ideas. And then we settled on the most original name you will never guess. Foxy. <laughs> I could tell you a hundred stories about Foxy. Let me at least share a few. One of my favorite games to play with Foxy when she was really little and just coming into her teeth. And those baby teeth on a fox are like little pins and needles. My brothers and I would line up with a bowl waiting for our turn for a little oatmeal for breakfast. And Foxy was running around my feet. And I learned that if I wiggled my toes, whichever toes wiggled, she'd pounce on them. Now, at first, that was kind of fun. I'd wiggle toes, boom. I'd wiggle toes, boom. But those are sharp little teeth. And soon, I'm jumping back and forth. Ow, ee, ow, ooh. And even before I could lift one foot, she was already pouncing on the other, anticipating my next move. I quickly learned how quick a little fox is and how these kinds of skills would help it survive in the wild. Because we were told early on, a wild animal does not make a very good pet. Usually, we'd bring them back to health and turn them loose. So I knew that day would come. Another little story. <laughs> My cousin, Sandy, she worked at a restaurant nearby. And she would get off work in the middle of the night. And rather than go home, she'd spend the weekends with us where she worked till 2 in the morning. And we used to turn Foxy loose into her room. And her toes would be sticking up through the blankets. And Foxy, ow, ee, ow, Sandy came bouncing out of the room. It was so much fun to watch. <laughs> that speed, that attention to movement are important traits for a fox to survive. We had a, uh, a pet show um, in the park 
we went to a little summer day camp and a lot of people brought dogs and cats. One person even brought a goldfish in a bowl and somebody a bird in a cage, but we were the only ones to have a pet fox. And my older brother, of course, was holding the leash with a little collar. And, uh, and of course, we won the blue ribbon. It's the most unusual pet. And so as my brother was talking to this foxy girl, he was being distracted by this young woman, intelligent and kind and beautiful, all the important things. My brother wasn't paying attention to the real fox tugging on the leash because it was a great big German shepherd. When the German shepherd barked and growled at little foxy, as swift as Cassius Clay to date this story, Foxy dropped back and with a couple little swipes hit the nose of that German Shepherd and guess who tucked its tail between its legs? Or, or, or. Again, that speed, that strength, that fearlessness would help that little fox survive. Now, I told you we had coon hounds and we actually built pins out back. And eventually, after Foxy was chewing up the furniture and, and leaving little presents under the furniture, my mom said, it's time for that fox to move out. And so we put it in one of the dog pens and it dug under the fence. We put rocks in the holes and it kept digging under. So reluctantly, my father put a, a leash and a collar um, so she wouldn't run away. But one day I was out back, and this is a part of the story if you really know me, you might have a little trouble believing, but I swear it's true. Foxy would dig under the fence through the rocks and she would sit there in the tall grass. And she would wait for the birds to come in in the alley in our backyard. The birds would take little bird baths and Foxy would sit perfectly still until the birds came back. And she quickly figured out not to jump at the birds. She would leap up, turn herself mid-air so when the birds flew off, they would fly into her and she had more than birds for lunch. But sitting there watching her hunt, I began to see the world through wild eyes. Well, eventually that day came, and we didn't have to turn her loose. She actually chewed through her collar, and she disappeared. And what became of her, I don't exactly know. I will say, well, she chewed to the leash, because heading to school that fall, I saw her in an alley, and I knew it was her, because she still wore the collar. And the winter I was most scared about. Would she survive a long, cold Toledo winter? The following spring, I saw her in a distant field, still wearing the collar with another fox. I'd like to think that she and this other fox raised a litter of their own, and they lived quite happily, but the truth is, I don't really know. But I'll tell you what I do know, that that kind of speed and agility, that kind of strength and fearlessness, that kind of patience and anticipation of the other's move allowed her to survive. And through that way, I learned to see the world through wild eyes. Well, that is the true story of how I got the name. Ever since I was a little boy. What is your favorite wild animal? Maybe one you see in your neighborhood, in your backyard. Maybe you could go to the library and learn some folk tales or fairy tales about that story. Dive into your own culture of origin. What are the fairy tales and folk tales from that culture? Maybe you can go sit in your backyard and watch that animal and write a nonfiction story about a day in its life. What is your totem animal? The animal you most look for, look towards, and see yourself like. Study that creature. Learn the folklore and mythology, as well as the natural history and the true science. 
and blend them together in a poem like I did. And who knows, maybe you too will see the world through wild eyes. I hope you've enjoyed these stories. If you'd like to learn more about stories, visit my website, Foxtails International. Actually, click on Lesson Plans, and there's some instructions so that you could learn your own story. And you could tell a story, send us a link, and maybe you could end up on one of these episodes. Like our next story, McKinley, who's doing one of Aesop's fables. I've always loved Aesop's fables. They are more than 2,000 years old, and yet they are timeless. They tell us how to be better humans, like the fox in this story. Fox and Grapes told by my new friend, McKinley. And maybe you could fill this spot in a future episode. Thank you, McKinley, for this story. One hot summer's day, a fox was strolling through an orchard when he came to a bunch of grapes ripening on a vine that was trained above a lofty branch. Just the thing to quench my thirst, thought he. Going back a few paces, he took a run and then a jump, but he missed the branch. Okay, he turned back around, with a one, two, three. He jumped back up, but he missed the branch again. At, over and over again he tried, but he didn't make it to the branch. He, eventually he just walked away with his nose in the air, saying, I'm sure they were sour. It's easy to despise what you cannot get. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Foxtails Folklore. Next time, invite your friends. And maybe you can send us a link to you telling one of your favorite folktales and we'll use it on an upcoming episode. Join our choir to fall in love with the world and all of its possibilities.